Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. We're continuing our summer playlist, our series this morning, and uh, we like to change it up a little bit in the summer. I don't know if you've noticed, but people tend to travel a bit in the summer, uh, in and out. I was asking, somebody was here for the first time at the early service, and they were asking me about that, and I was explaining to them that we have a, pretty much have a different congregation every Sunday uh, throughout the summer, people c- coming in and out, and uh, I've considered maybe I should pastor the auxiliary service in San Diego in the summer. What do you guys think? I don't know. Same, seems like a good idea to me, but um, uh, we're glad that you're here, and uh, we are going to have something special this morning. We are going to hear uh, from Kirsten Snary. Kirsten is uh, our minister over women's ministry and small groups here. I actually get to play the role of the lovely assistant. Thank you. Um, And uh, Kirsten is a critical part of our team here and our leadership at North. And so we're grateful for you and grateful to have you uh, sharing with us this morning. And uh, Kirsten is going to talk to us about the book of James. So you're up. Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks for having me. So I was raised in a family of all girls, and there were four girls in my family and lots of words, and if you've been around a lot of girls, you've probably experienced that, and we had a way of communicating that we just loved. I mean, we had a great time together, and we would talk and just get going, and it'd get louder and louder, and often we would um, finish each other's thoughts and sentences, and then we'd even sometimes have to interject in order to get our point across. So... I thought it was completely normal that I would finish people's sentences and interrupt, and that's just the way we did it. But then I started realizing the farther I was away from that, that that's not always um, healthy or normal. And my sweet husband has been helping me with that as well. But I did have a friend um, that, that kind of confronted me on it one day, and I was mortified. And I, I just went to the Word, and I thought, oh my gosh, Lord, I need... A little work on my tongue. I need a little work on my words. And so I did this word search on word, lip, mouth, all these words in the Bible, and I put together a whole word document on this and started just reading through it and memorizing some, and it was really helpful for me, and it was really great. And so we do tend to like to talk, right? In fact, um, Research shows that we probably spend about 16,000 to 20,000 words spoken every day. And for women, that could be even more. And I know that with my sisters and some of my friends, when we close down Starbucks, it's probably up to 30, 40,000. I don't know. Could be. You guys can decide. But we do like to talk a lot. And so if we were to put all those words in print, so that's not including our text words, our Facebook post words, any email words. Those are just our spoken words. And if we were to put those in a book, it would fill about 132 books a year, like 200-page books. It's a lot of words in print, and I'm wondering how many of those words we'd really like to have in print, because they may be not the best words at times. So we're going to talk this morning about, um, oh, before we get going, God really does have a lot to say about our words, and I would love to share this cute little video that I wanted to you guys to see this He doesn't morning. walk very good, does he? Dumpy? <laughs> yes, Mama. What did your father tell you this morning? 
If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. <laughs> Isn't he adorable? I'm not sure how many of you guys were raised on Thumper's parents' words, but I was. I know you're not, you know, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. If you go to a doctor, they tell you to do what? Open your mouth, stick out your tongue. Because you can tell a lot about a person physically and medically by looking at their tongue. Well, the same goes for our spiritual lives as well. You can tell a lot about how a person is spiritually by their tongue. And then even though our physically, it's, our tongue is part of the ear, nose, and throat area, spiritually, our tongue is directly related and de- directly tied to the heart. And Jesus said, um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our words are really important. Um, on a windswept hill in an English country churchyard stands a drab gray slate tombstone. The faint etchings read, beneath this stone, a lump of clay lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. I hope we can learn before that day that a tombstone goes over us how to control our tongue. Um, But we're going to look at one of my favorite books this morning, the book of James. And in particular, we're going to look at the first 12 verses of chapter chapter 3. And it's the biggest passage in the New Testament on the use of the tongue. Well, and uh, I I just want to clarify one thing, okay? One, uh, you guys are blessed because I would, I, I don't think I could ever show that Thumper video <laughs> if I was doing the sermon and get it with Kirsten. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, this, the second thing is that one of the things that we learned in our family raising three boys uh, was words weren't the issue, that we really counted syllables. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, <laughs> right? You ask a question, uh, come on, be honest, guys. You ask a uh-huh. question, and you get a syllable. You don't get actually get a whole word. You know, you go, huh? Or, <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, wh- and, and, then, and then there's this other thing that they do that was awesome, and I'm pretty sure I did it when I was their age, is that we leave the last letter off of every word, right? <laughs> How you doing? Fun. <laughs> I'm waiting for the, for the rest of the word, and it never comes. And so and I don't know how we do that, but we count words differently. I think we count them in syllables. But <laughs> So here's the question. Uh, you know, I'm going to ask you, who, who is James, and what's the nature of the book of James? Because here's, here's what I remember from seminary about James. There's this great oral tradition that's come down through the centuries uh, about the author of this book, James, and that he had a nickname. And guys, guys have nicknames, right? That's what we do. He had, he had a nickname, and his nickname was Old Camel Knees. Uh, and and the, the story about him was that he prayed on his knees so much that he wore the hair off his knees and they were wrinkled and calloused and looked terrible and that the young followers called him Old Camel Knees. And I remember hearing that thinking, that's actually an awesome nickname. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you like to get to a point in your life where people looked at you and said, oh, look, there comes Old Camel Knees because he prays so much. That is awesome. Well, James is the half-brother of Jesus, so he, he was very familiar with Jesus' teachings. He knew Jesus intimately, um, and he also was raised like any good Jewish family um, on the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, on the whole Old Testament, but the wisdom literature was, were five books that were specifically geared towards teaching you how to be wise, how to live wisely. Um, and they were Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Job. So he was raised on these, on these um, scriptures. 
Um, and this passage, this whole, this whole book of James is really a sermon. So he's telling believers, the audience is believers, he's telling believers, okay guys, it's time to get mature, it's time to grow up in your faith. You can't just stay, you can't just say, hey, I'm a believer, and that's it. He's saying you need to grow up in your faith. And so he starts off talking about maturity in the beginning of the, the book, and he says maturity doesn't just happen, suffering really develops maturity. And he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But then he goes on and says, okay, so you're going to get some maturity through those trials and through those sufferings, and that's not a fun way, but that's really life. But then he says, you're going to need to also be a doer of the word. He says that the word enhances maturity. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. He's saying, don't just listen to those podcasts. He's saying, dear people, come to church and listen, but then do what it says. Do what the word says. He's saying, don't just say, that was great, but he wants you to live it out. And then he says, this is still in chapter one, he says that our tongue is the evidence of our maturity. He's saying, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but, dece um, oh wait, the, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So we can say we're believers, we can say we're a Christian, and yet the evidence is how are we doing with our tongue. So we're going to read the 12 verses in James now. If you would turn with me to James 3, we're going to start at chapter 1. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are, um, though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce, produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. He starts this passage off by, by talking to teachers and saying, you know, if you want to be a teacher, you need to know that your words have great influence, but you're also going to be judged more strictly because of that influence. He's wanting the weight of that to set in. He's saying, 
you know, a lot of you want to want to be the experts on things. A lot of you like to teach others, but be careful because if you're going to do that, you need to be careful of your words because you will be judged more strictly. But then I love that he goes right into this and he says, I feel like it's a little personal confession on his part. He says, none of us have it right. None of us will do this. We'll do it right. He says, we all stumble. And I I personally find that kind of reassuring because I know that I stumble and I know that we all do. And so he's just saying, hey, it's okay, but we, we need to work on this. This is something we all need to work on. Um, and so there are a few things that I see about our words in this passage. And the first one is that our words bring direction. He gives the example of the bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder. And both of those are steering great things. And our tongue is this small little part of our body that can direct the course of our life. It can, it can set people on different directions in their life. And so just like you put this small little device in a horse's mouth, um, and you can put a child on that horse, you can have a thousand pound horse, and a small child can direct that horse. The same as with our tongue. We can give life into something, or we can bring death into something. Um, the tongue can steer all different directions of life. I said, I do, 27 years ago. Scott and I just had our anniversary. Those words, I do, set the course of my life. Um, you, a teacher can say a kind word, or a coach can give an encouragement. That can set the course of someone's life. They can change directions in their life just by a word. So words bring direction. And I love how he gives the imagery there of the, the, the fire and of the beast. And he says that we, you know, just a little bit, it, it, it's just showing the proportion of the tongue to the great amount of, of uh, power it has. Um, Proverbs 13.3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And Proverbs 15 says that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we have the choice with our words to go down a, a path of peace with our answer or to stir up anger with our answer. And it's, it's all dependent on the words that we say. And then words bring destruction. That's another power that our words have. Um, just like a spark can start an enormous wildfire, right now our state is in a is very flammable. You could just put flammable, that sticker that you see on um, paint cans. You could just put that on the whole state right now. And I heard on the news last week, they said, we have to be super careful on every little detail. For instance, they said, let's say you're towing a trailer. You have to make sure if there is anything like a, a, a chain that hangs down, you have to get that out. That could cause a tiny little spark. It could set the entire forest on fire. And the same is with our words. Um, I'm going to read this to you because I think it's very powerful. It says, My name is Gossip. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and ruin marriages. I ruin careers and cause sleepless nights. 
heartache, and indigestion. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. I make innocent people cry in their pillowcases. Even my name hisses. I am called gossip. Words are super powerful, and they are very destructive. And there are a few different ways that I can see our words being destructive. And the first one is truly just careless words. And I think this is where I get into trouble, is uh, my husband says that I don't have many silent thoughts. I just kind of share whatever I'm thinking. And so with that means I don't always think before I speak. I just say it. And so that is careless. It's, uh, it's just coming from a heart of foolishness, really. To say things without thinking first can cause harm, whether we intend it to be, it's not, even if it's not malicious, it can cause harm by just not thinking before we speak. Um, Proverbs uh, ten nineteen says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And then Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says that even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Careless words can, can hurt people. It can, it can cause damage. The second one is angry words. And this is a harder one because usually the intent is to harm with these angry words. They are to hurt. They are to cut. And wives, you have great power in how you speak to your husbands. You can demean them. You can cut them down. You can hurt them and wound them. Husbands, the same. You can belittle a wife and make her feel about this tall. And it's, it's a it can be abusive. Verbal abuse is pretty prevalent, and abuse is just a misuse of power, but our tongue is powerful, we've all discovered, and we can misuse that, so it can cross the line into verbal abuse. Parents, you can speak such harsh words to your children, or you can give them hope, and the harsh words can be damaging. They say sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. It's not true. Usually, the harsh words can last forever. The bones will heal, but I, the harsh words can last a lifetime. And then the next one is critical words. This just comes from, let's just say you're, you're critical of others. You're um, complaining. You're, you, you talk about people on the road, or you, you go, leave here, and then you get mad at someone cutting you off in the, in the parking lot, and then you go to the store and you get upset that someone has to, you have to wait in line and they didn't open up the line, and those are critical thoughts and critical words, and that comes from a heart of um, probably self-righteousness if you're critiquing others. You were doing really good there until you started talking about talking on the road. I know. I just want to say that, okay? As, I'm telling you, that's the hard one. Uh, and then cursing words. It says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Foul language, ugly words. What comes out of our mouth is an indication of what is in our heart. And then words bring healing. So that's not all bad. Words do have great power for good. We just blessed the kids before they left. We can speak blessing over people. And again, I'll use marriage as an example. Words can bring life. Wives, you can, you can bring life to your husbands. You can encourage them. You can say, wow, thank you so much for, for what you're doing. Thank you for working so hard. I'm so proud of you. Husbands, my husband is very good at this, and he, he said the other day, thank you for making our house a home. You can say 
life-giving words. You Parents, you can say, I love you. I have talked to many people who've never heard that from their parents. We can give life-giving words. Um, and then words bring hope. Paul, Paul said not to let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only use words that build up. Are we building others up with our words, or are we tearing them down? We have to think before we speak in order to do that, right? And then words bring healing. Proverbs 12 says that some words are like swords. They can cut deep. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Our words tell who we really are. James was talking about, he says, we need a little wake-up call. We need to know who we really are. If we are claiming to be a believer, if we're claiming to be a follower of Christ, and yet this garbage is coming out of our mouth, he's saying, how can that be? He's saying a fig tree, if it's producing olives, and you're going to look at it and go, hmm, I'm seeing a tree, it's producing olives, it's not a fig tree, it's an olive tree. So he's saying, let's make sure that we are who we say we are. If we say we're a believer, let's let our words be evident of that. Um, yeah, so. So one of the things I was thinking about yeah. uh, is, you know, words, words are so important because you don't get them back. Mm -hmm. uh, you say something and it's out there and you might apologize you can ask forgiveness, but it's still out there. Mm -hmm. And so you've either used your words for good or for harm. And no matter what we do, once they're out there, they're out there. Uh, and, and it's really true as well. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but social media is mm -hmm. like the filter's gone for some reason. And, and things are out there on social media and you can delete it, but it's still been out there. And, and again, we can do harm or we can do good uh, with what we say or what we communicate. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking about this because when uh, sometimes I say things that I wish I hadn't said. And it reminds me, I always think about, okay, Lurie, what, what's in your heart that would make mm -hmm. you say that? What's going on inside of you that would make that come out of your mouth? That's, it's always a trigger to me that something's going on in the inside of me that would cause me to, to say something. But th then there are other times that that I don't say something, that can be a good thing, but uh, sometimes when I don't say something, it's not because I'm not thinking it, it's just because I don't dare say it, I'm a pastor for goodness sakes, but um, <laughs> I, I don't say it, but it's still a trigger for me to, to think, okay, what's going on in my heart that would even make mm -hmm. me think about saying that or think about whether I say it or not, and so it's always... Uh, whether I say it or not, it's always a, a trigger for me to look at my own heart and what's going on inside of me that would make me even consider uh, those words. And so give us a little bit of hope. What, mm -hmm. uh, some, what's some hope for controlling our tongues? Yeah, well, and I really like what you said about not saying certain things. I mean, wisdom is saying the right things, but it's also knowing when to keep silent. And then you do have to take a look at your heart, but at least you've been wise with your words in keeping silent in that point. So that, that was a good point. But yes, there is good news. On my own, there it's, it's, I'm hopeless, and I, there is no good news. But the good news is that um, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And, and that old life, that old way of sinning, that old ick in our heart can be gone. And he says, I've been crucified with Christ 
um, in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if we're going to take that seriously, then we, can, we have hope. We have hope in changing. We have hope in, in uh, taming our tongues. And um, the Holy Spirit, there are three things I feel like we can, we can rely on as believers to control our tongues. And that's the Holy Spirit's the first one. The Holy Spirit can convict us when we have said the wrong thing, can give, convict us if we have sin in our hearts. He can, can, he can um, comfort us when we have made a mistake He can give us comfort, and he can teach us. He can tell us, okay, this is how you're going to go and make this right with this person. There is a lot of power in the Holy Spirit that we have as followers of Christ. In Psalms, uh, David says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We We can rely on him to put that guard over our mouths when we don't think we can control it ourselves. And then we have God's word. If we are... So David says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we have his word in our heart, that means we're in the word. We can't have his word in our hearts if we're not reading it, if we're not making it get into our hearts in the first place. And so the power of the word is incredible. We've just been talking about the power of the tongue, but God spoke his word into his scripture, and that word gets into our hearts and changes everything. And then we have each other. Hebrew, the author of Hebrews says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neg- neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. And just like a friend encouraged me and I went to the Word and kind of did that little word study on my lips and my mouth and my tongue, we can encourage each other. My husband's a great encourager of helping me with areas that I am having a weakness in. He's very good at that, and I think we need each other for that. We need community in order to um, grow in our maturity. And so if you're not in a group, let me know. I'll get you in a small group, too. Um, I would like to read a little story to, for you. It's called The Whisper Test. It says, Marianne, who was born with a cleft palate, before the time when reparative surgery was easily available. She was also deaf in one ear. In school, her classmates teased her without mercy. She couldn't blow up a balloon without holding her nose or drink from a water fountain successfully. Oh, Marianne, her classmates would say, what happened to your lip? I cut it on a piece of glass, she would lie. One of the, most, one of the worst experiences at school, she reported, was the day of the annual hearing test. The teacher would call each child to her desk and would whisper something to the child like, the sky is blue or you have new shoes. And if the teacher's phrase was heard and repeated, then you pass the test. To avoid the humiliation of failure, Marianne would always cheat on the test. She would cup her good ear and then put her hand over her ear so that she could still hear what the teacher said. One year, Marianne was in the class of Miss Leonard, one of the most beloved teachers in the school. Every student, including Marianne, wanted to be noticed by her, wanted to be her teacher's pet. Then came the day of the dreaded hearing test. As Marianne cupped her hand over her good ear, Miss Leonard leaned forward to whisper, I waited for those words, Marianne wrote, which God must have put into her mouth, those seven words which changed my life. Miss Leonard did not say, the sky is blue or you have new shoes. No, Miss Leonard carefully leaned over to get as close as possible. Ugh. 
and whispered, I wish you were my little girl. Marianne said that those seven words changed her life, changed the course of her life. She went on to be an amazing woman. She was a writer for this newspaper. Um, she had a different hope because of those words. And so I feel like, um, like in Psalm 51.10, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And he also says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I just want us to take our words so seriously that we can give hope and life and change direction in someone's life with our words and not be on the other end where we're cutting people down and destroying people with our words. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for, um, for loving us so much that you give us your word, you give us the Holy Spirit that can help us in times um, that we struggle. And Lord, uh, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you. I pray that we would be people who would take our faith seriously, that we would grow up in our faith, that our words and our speech would be evidenced um, to those around us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Thanks for doing that song. I actually asked Aaron to do that song because it's one of my favorites because when I notice something creeping into my heart, whether it's saying, oh, what did you cut me off for? If I, if I notice something in my heart, I feel like I need, I start to sing this song in the car. And I have a necklace that says, every hour I need thee. It's just a great reminder that I can't do it on my own. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only by relying on him hourly, daily, by the minute that I can somehow get control of that tongue. We have prayer partners over here, and if you would like to be prayed with or for, we would love to do that. If you would like to record a prayer request, we have our prayer table in the back, and we start praying for those first thing tomorrow morning, and we love to pray with you, for you. If you have praises, we love to praise God for those with you as well, so please do that. I just trust that you guys have a great week and that we remember that we can always ask the Lord to put a guard over our mouth. Have a great week, you guys. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.